Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Student Equip Podcast. And I'm really excited for this week's conversation. And I have Pastor Joe back with me this week now as a regular co-host. Yeah. So uh, if not every week, most weeks um, that he's available. So I'm super excited for that, that now I don't have to worry about talking to myself on some weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's so much nicer to have somebody to talk to. So I don't know if I'm a great conversationalist, but at least I'm a warm body. Yeah, so. Well, I, I like I like ha- the conversations we have. So um, but again, Pastor Judges, thanks for, for being willing to do that and jumping on here this week. Um, so this week we're talking about an issue that... I mean, all students, all believers are facing, but I think students are kind of getting the the brunt of it. Yeah. Um, and it's one that students themselves might struggle with, but also just that they're facing, right? They don't know, you know, they're wondering how to handle it. And that's the 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 issue of LGBTQ plus, yeah. because there's the whole alphabet of letters after that, I think. Um, LGBTQIA. Yeah. Like they, and so there's, I mean, and, you that's kind of you've literally seen how this has grown just in how their abbreviations because it you know it started as a couple letters and they just add letters and then because there's now there's so many ways people can identify yeah and so now they're just like we'll just stick a plus on it because people are free to identify however they want um and so so we're gonna talk about that one what the bible says about that um you know how as believers how should we think about this and face that um but Pastor Joe, why do you think this kind of this sexual revolution, because that's kind of what it is, right? We're seeing the sexual revolution. Why do you think that's seemingly ramped up in recent years? You know, I think in recent years, it just, you know, as we we look, I mean, I remember back in the early 2000s when I was a teen, um, back in the dark ages, <laughs> that, you know, being gay or lesbian, it was... Uh, very taboo. Yeah. You know? Like I think in my school, there was maybe one or two kids. I, w- I graduated with a class of 550. So there was like over 2000 students in my high school and maybe one or two were out as gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just wasn't very prevalent. Um, I mean, it was a, a vast minority. Um, <clears throat> and then I think just as time has gone on, uh, that minority has become louder and louder. Yeah. Uh, they just become a vocal minority. And so, you know, like we've said before, the squeaky wheel gets the grease and they're wanting um, recognition and not just recognition, but affirmation mm-hmm. from the culture. And as they've advocated for themselves on that, it's, it's just kind of taken off, uh, especially in 2015, you know, when the gay marriage was legalized and, um, and, and, all of that went down. I mean, it really just kind of seemed to explode from there. Yeah. It's kind of opened the floodgates of, Hey, you can do this. Yeah. And I think it's because people, you know, whether they like to admit it or not, uh, if something's legal, we tend to think it's okay. Yeah. Like if you ask people about abortion, you know, well, it's legal, so it can't be that bad. Yeah. I mean, it is still horrible and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awful. Yeah. It's actually genocide, but it's legal. And so we're okay with it, you know? And, um, I think the same thing rings true with, you know, LGBTQ homosexuality. Um, it's been legalized. And so it's mm-hmm. not seen as anything bad. Uh, it's almost like you're bad if you don't affirm yeah. it because, Hey, it's legal. What are you going to say about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're viewed as, as intolerant or yeah. hateful if you don't. Right. Which 
we'll talk about that here in a little bit because that, that's a big big thing yeah and i i think it's that's spot on right the the legalization of it kind of opened the floodgates and people think oh well this is okay because you know now our nation says it's okay to do it's legal and i think the with the rise of social media influencers right that that term that you know for whatever reason that's a job now just social media influencer um but i think with with the rise of of these influencers that it's now it's not just these you know few handful of celebrities that that teens and people are looking up to there's hundreds of these people who are who are influencers and making videos that are very outspoken about this and it's well these people who have this huge following you know believe this and think this way so then you know they're probably they're probably right because they have this following they all can't i mean everybody can't be wrong right yeah yeah, and so it's this idea that, and because of that, I think it's, at least seemingly, it's become the popular thing to identify as, or yeah. at least be okay with. It's it's trendy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's trendy. trendy. For, for teenagers in particular who tend to be more confused, they're trying to figure out who they are, what they're about, um, you know, they're trying to find their identity and fit in with others. This is one for kids who are confused about their sexuality or maybe have a question about their sexuality that they can find some, some community in going to affirm their confusion and make them feel valid. And man, that like that right there, feeling valid is such a big thing for Gen Z, uh, for, you know, even the, the generation after them was it Gen Alpha. Um, I think so. Yeah. You know, the older elementary age kids now, uh, a lot of kids just want to be, want their feelings validated so. yeah yeah and i think and we might get into this briefly later but i think like spot on they're they're looking for community yeah. and that support and a, a lot of ways the church has failed in that like the churches mm-hmm. should be the place that should be offering them that and i think in the past we like the church and even now so some like the church has failed at providing a like quality community not just Hey, come to youth group so we can babysit you and play a bunch of, you know, silly games, right. but like quality community where it's, mm-hmm. it lets, you know, come to youth group where we, you know, you'll hear biblical truth. You can share your struggles with us and we will walk with you. Yeah. Where, where youth pastors are actually pastors yeah, um, and not glorified babysitters. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, man, over the last 20 years, youth pastors that have come before us have done such a great job of changing that cultural yeah. mindset you know i mean that's that's a big yeah thing you can see this but, you can see that shift yeah so we get to reap the benefits yeah. of that uh yeah. and actually operate as pastors but yeah i mean that's what kids want they want community yeah and they want community they, they want authenticity and not just fluff yeah if there's a community that's willing to make them feel valid and affirm them then that's what they're going to gravitate towards and so obviously we yeah. want to communicate love and care um, without validating sin, you know, um, the struggle may be real, but yeah, I know we'll get to some of that later, but yeah. And I think the last thing I would say on, on this one of, of why it's seemingly ramped up and I think it has ramped up. You see that in the, the number of people who identifies this, but I like what you said that it's, they're a loud minority. And so yeah. when you ask people, you know, what, what percentage of the population of America do you think identifies as LGBTQ? they would most people would probably say a pretty significant uh percentage um but 
according to several different yeah, studies, you can look you, you, you can look them up. Like oh yeah, go ahead. What, Sorry, what yeah. Oh no, I'll say you say how how much you've heard people say it, it is. Oh yeah, I've heard people say that they think it's up to you know twenty to thirty percent of the population is LGBTQIA plus. Um, yeah, but it's like yes, it's a minority, but it's a large minority. Um, but yeah. The reality, I mean, I think you've got the stats right. Yeah, and we're yeah, and and so I think that's a lot of people think it's that kind of that big number. So the total of the total U.S. population, only seven percent identify as LGBTQ plus. Like now, that's still millions of people, but yeah, it's only seven percent of the population. But we think it's you know this probably twenty to thirty percent, right. um, and of teens of just you know, the studies that just asked teens if they you know what they identify as only nine percent of teens said they identify as LGBTQ plus. And, and so it's I wonder definitely how many teens five years from now would continue to identify. Would, yeah. And so it's it's a it's a very small minority, but they're very loud. Which is why like yes, it has this this sexual revolution has ramped up in recent years. Um, but it, I don't think it's ramped up as as much as it seems it's not as much of a dire crisis as yeah. we like to believe but because they are so vocal um it is something that needs to be discussed in Christian yes. circles yes. in youth groups and needs to be challenged yeah yeah so with that let's move from from just kind of talking about that uh to what the bible actually says about it um because i think this is also this is a, a common argument for it is people will say well the bible either the bible doesn't say anything about this or the bible is the bible's not clear on this issue um which spoiler alert the bible is very clear yeah. on this issue <laughs> um so what are some what are some passages that that you kind of tend to go to and look look to to talk it's about almost, this it's almost like god knew that this was an issue that people would face yeah uh, and, even and i want to before we jump time, jump to the bible part real quick i meant to say this earlier sorry of this is not a new issue no right this is a sin that's been going on since ever um because it is in the bible and mm -hmm. so right like this is not a new issue that the church is having to face like yeah. i remember actually speaking yeah. with uh pastor eric yesterday um about this and he said you know in in corinth you know the uh the male prostitutes would have long hair mm -hmm. and female prostitutes would shave their heads I mean, this is obviously a, a way of gender bending yeah. in that day and age. Um, and so obviously, you know, the transgender issue, the, the homosexuality issue was something, even an issue back then, you know, yeah, it's definitely not new. No. Um, and the Bible is clear about it. It doesn't, some people say, well, the word homosexuality wasn't, you know, wasn't put in the Bible until 19, uh, 1978 or something crazy, you know, recent like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, yeah, the word homosexuality wasn't usually there because homosexuality is actually a newer term to the English vocabulary. Um, but the concepts have been there for ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And I don't know how you, how you splice that to make it say anything other than what it says. Uh, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. 
Uh, and it even says, they shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them, right? The penalty for sin, as we know from the book of Romans, is death. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we see that in the Old Testament. And sometimes people will try to point to that and say, well, but that's the Old Testament. Old Testament. Law, yeah, it right? doesn't apply to us anymore. No, no, Jesus yeah. came. The old law is gone and, and done with. Um, but then you look at, you know, first Corinthians chapter six. Yeah. That's uh, what I had, had written down. Right. Yeah. Don't you know, and do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral or idolaters or adulterers or men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, you know, yeah. like, I love that. That's, nice. There's, there's still the hope in verse 11, right? right. It, it's, it is a sin, but in verse 11, it offers hope of there's a way to repentance. There's a way out of that. Yeah, like just because, you know, and I think in modern times we've we've so uh, gotten ourselves wrapped up mm -hmm. in our sexual identity that like it's a part of who we are. You yeah. know, I don't think people would say like, oh, yeah, I'm an idolater. You know, that's yeah. that's just my identity. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an adulterer. I'm a thief. You know, that's who I am. It's like, no, I've stolen or I've I've committed adultery, but it's not that's who I am. But when it comes to homosexuality, suddenly that's our identity. That's that, yeah. Um, but you know, First Corinthians six tells us like such were some of you. Some mm -hmm. of you guys were that. Um, I'll even share just you know personal story here. My my adopted sister April, when she first came to our family, um, she was married to another woman, and didn't know Jesus. Um, she was in an abusive homosexual marriage and um, was seeking to flee the marriage and came to our family and uh, and through God's grace and through the witness of my mom and my dad and my sister uh, and myself and Laura, you know, we just continued to share the love of Christ with her. And she ended up repenting of her, of her lifestyle, uh, seeking after God, gave her life to the Lord, got, you know, I had the privilege of baptizing her. Uh, I had the privilege of performing her wedding ceremony to her now husband and they have a beautiful baby girl named Mila um, things that she just never would have ever pictured would have happened yeah. in her life That's and awesome. because she was never attracted to men ever in her life but the Lord worked in her and gave her a new heart with new desires um, and obviously that doesn't happen for everybody yeah. um, for some people we continue to struggle against our sin um, and I don't know if in the quiet places of April's heart if she continues to struggle against that. But mm -hmm. I mean, for all intents and purposes, she has repented and is walking in righteousness. Yeah. And, and I so think that such were some of you, I read that. Yeah. And I'm like, such was she, but she's not. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think, you know, it's good, obviously in that, like God gave her new desires, but I think you, you know, you pointing out like that doesn't always happen. Of right. A lot of times we can, as the church, and as believers, we make the main goal to get people to be straight. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that shouldn't be the main goal. Like the main goal should be to get to the, get them to Jesus and then let Jesus make those changes and give them that desire. Because the reality is nothing you or I say to them is going to make them change. Man, I had a student years ago who was on our praise team. Um, and she was awesome, awesome young woman, beautiful voice. Um, but she admitted to me that she was attracted to girls. And I said, okay, that's fine. Just, you know, that you're not acting out on that. She's like, are you going to kick me off the praise team for being attracted? I said, no, you know, we all have sinful desires. 
important thing is we, we fight against that. Well, when she ended up falling into sin and was involved in several relationships with other girls, you know, we had to have a hard conversation about church leadership and, and serving, you know, while living in sin. And I told her in that conversation, I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to say her name, but, you know, young woman, my goal for you isn't for you to be straight. It's for you to be holy. You know, God wants us to live holy lives. And for some, that means uh, struggling against our sin and continually, you know, crucifying our flesh in that way. The Apostle Paul had to deal with that. We don't know what his thorn in the flesh was, but he asked the Lord to take it away. And uh, I've even heard some people pose that maybe it was homosexuality. Uh, I don't think there's any evidence for that. But even if it was, uh, the fact that it's, hey, I've got desires that are contrary to the desires of the Lord, and I want those taken away. And God said, no, you're going to be weak because in your weakness, I am strong. And uh, and so walk, you know, be holy for I am holy. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Too often we try to get people to be straight, and that's not the goal. The goal is no. to be holy, not, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I think. I think when we have that perspective shift of it makes it makes those conversations easier, I think, to have and take some pressure off of us of like, just get them to Jesus. Like, that's the yeah. main thing. Let Jesus worry about the life change because only he can bring the life change. Yeah. So so these passages and, you know, you, you mentioned First Corinthians 6, First Timothy 1, 9 through 11 kind of gives the same little chunk of, of, of sins and says that that's contrary to sound doctrine. Yep. But is the Old Testament, New Testament, is what the Bible says still true and relevant to us today? Because, I mean, that was written thousands of years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think the beauty of the Bible is that um, technology has changed. Our clothing has changed. Uh, so many things have changed. But human nature has not changed. Um, we are still sinful human beings. And the Bible doesn't talk to us about our uh our use of technology, it talks to us about our hearts and yeah. the state of our souls before a holy God. So we know, you know, from the book of Malachi, it says that God is immutable. He doesn't change. So for all of time, if he doesn't change and the Bible is his word to us, then that means that the truths therein do not change. Uh, so if he calls something wrong back in the first century and uh, hasn't changed it <laughs> since yeah. then, then it's still standing. It's still wrong. Yep. So yeah. there's culture, our culture and social norms will change. Like, I mean, obviously from culture to culture, like there's stuff that's different. Um, but the word of God never changes. And, and scripture says that, that the word of God is, that will never pass away. Right. It's always going to be there. Um, so the Bible will always be true and relevant. Yep. Um, and so, so with that, right, the Bible is very clear that homosexuality is a sin, but it also, like we looked at in 1 Corinthians, offers hope. Yeah. Right? It's not just, hey, you guys, all these sin, you know, all you sinners um, you're just, are awful. You're, yeah, you're like, just filled without any hope. Yeah, it offers hope, right? right? And so I want to make sure we, we hit that of, of the Bible is not just you're awful, you're awful, you're awful. Yes, we are, but offers hope. So well, what's nice about this list too in first Corinthians is that it specifically states men who practice homosexuality, but it also says sexually immoral, idolaters, mm -hmm. adulterers, even those who are heterosexual and are sexually immoral. Uh, yeah. Like 
all of these sins, thievery, greedy, you know, greediness, drunkenness, you know, being a reviler, swindler, all of these things uh, exclude us from the kingdom of heaven without, if we don't turn in repentance and faith towards Christ. And so I think we tend to elevate homosexuality or transgenderism as this like ultimate sin, uh, put it on some sort of like evil pedestal. Um, but scripture doesn't do that. You know, yeah. I mean, yes, it is, uh, a gre- you know, a very grievous sin. You know, it's it not only is bad for our souls, but it's bad for our, our bodies and our minds. Um, but yet it is something that can be overcome by the blood of Christ and through faith and repentance in him. Yeah, man, you're jumping ahead of me. I was going to bring that up in the next oh, question. Sorry. <laughs> way to be an overachiever. But yeah, no, I love that, that it, that Paul doesn't group it, have it as a separate group. It's like, Hey, if you're greedy, you're in the same boat as somebody who is struggling with homosexuality. Yeah. Like it's not this, this top tier sin. Yeah. Um, so with all that, the Bible, well, the Bible says, does God hate people who identify as LGBTQ? Cause I think that's a lot of a, a, a misconception people have a lot is they say, well, well, God hates me. Right. Or mm-hmm. God hates people who, who do this. Yeah. You know, but does God actually hate people who identify as LGBTQ? You know, I think that it's, we need to try to move away from the idea that God hates me um, more so that God hates my sin and what I'm, yeah. you know, um, the Lord desires, like it says in scripture, that all, all people would repent, um, that all people would, would turn to him in faith. And yet we also know that not everyone does. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we kind of hold these things in intention. It's, it's that God loved the world so much that he gave his son, uh, not the perfect, not the good, not the, the beautiful or the, the righteous. Jesus even said, I didn't come for the righteous. Uh, I, I came to earth for the sick, for those who are lost. Yeah. And so, uh, if someone is feeling like, man, I'm just lost in my sin. There's no way God could love me. Uh, you are exactly the person that God sent Christ for. You are exactly the type of person that God wanted to save. Yeah. I mean, even look at Jesus's life, like look at the people he hung out with. He didn't hang out with the righteous Pharisees. Like he didn't, uh, he always got in fights with them Yeah. But he, because he could, because of the people he hung out with, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, the, the adulterers, drunk. the drunkards, like he hung out with all of the sinful people because that's who, who needed him. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 came for the sick, for those who are spiritually sick. And, uh, and all of our sin makes us spiritually sick. So whether it's homosexuality or, um, just lust for, you know, heterosexual lust, Mm -hmm. uh, either one of these makes us spiritually sick and we need a spiritual, you know, healer who can, (laughs) who can heal us, not some mystical doctor here on earth, some shaman, but you know, we need God incarnate. We need Christ to, to come and do that in our lives so yeah and i think so yeah absolutely like, like god doesn't hate hate people who identify as lgbtq but i think a lot of times we as as believers do mm. because we elevate it to this like top tier sin that we whether we would admit it or not there's a lot of believers hate the people um, well, and i think this is this is I think again, I think this is this would again be a, a loud minority mm. within believers. But yeah. you you look at you have I struggle to even call them a church because they're not like Jesus at all. But the Westboro Baptist yeah. who 
all the time are protesting with signs that say God hates gay people, you know, gay people are going to burn in hell. And it's like, that's not Jesus. Like Jesus came to save those people. And, and so, and one of my, one of my, my roommates in, in college said this, cause we, we were just having, you know, talking about these issues and stuff. And he said, we've villainized parts of sexual sin, but normalized parts of it. Yeah. And I was like, I wrote it down. Cause I'm like, dude, that's good. And I'm stealing that one day. Yeah. Um, but talking about like, like homosexuality and transgender is like, we villainized that part of sexual sin because at the end of the day, that heterosexual sin, like it's sexual sin. Right. And we villainized that part of it, but we've normalized lusting. Mm. We've normalized looking at things on the internet. Yeah. Right. We've normalized looking at, at pornography because, oh, well, that's just something every, you know, everyone goes through. Yeah. That's just something every boy does. It's just part of life. Well, you yeah, you get curious it. and of course you yeah. want to explore. And so it's nothing bad. It was like we've normalized it, but it's like so that all of that <laughs> is sexual sin. Right. And for whatever reason, we've decided to villainize homosexuality and transgenderism as so much worse. Yeah. When I think it's, just... it's because it is so abnormal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you look at for most of human history and you look at majority of people, right? Even still today, 7.6% identify as LGBTQ. So it is by vast majority abnormal. Yeah. Uh, and so we look at that and go, man, that's just, that's odd. That's weird. Um, you know, even be punny here and say, that's queer, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I know we like that about ourselves, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but so I think that's partially why it's, why it's, so villainized is because it's just so abnormal mm-hmm. uh, and christians are just as guilty of falling into that group think of yeah. like well you know yeah every kid going through puberty starts to get a little curious and of course you're going to try to find something and figure it out you know and it's like yeah but that's still wrong yeah let's like, still- just let that happen right just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's okay yeah um, and just because homosexual homosexuality is abnormal doesn't mean that it's like extra not okay you know it's it's still all sin and it still all needs to be uh repented of and you know covered by the blood of christ yeah yeah so then how should how should a christian treat somebody who says you know i'm gay or lesbian or transgender yeah i think um yeah i think it's just the way you would treat anybody who says uh i struggle with lying um treat them with love yeah i I think that um a a lot of christians are you know we've talked about how the church has not typically been very good about um its treatment of homosexuality and and of people who who struggle against homosexuality and i think it is because it is just so abnormal Mm -hmm. uh in terms of you know the list of sins that are (laughs) you know prevalent um but when we keep it in focus of like, you know, sin is sin. And uh, like Paul said in first Corinthians, such were some of you, you can change uh, by the power of the spirit, you can change. And so we just, we've got to love people. Um, we care for them. We care for their souls. Uh, we care for their well-being, and we continue to point them towards righteousness. You know, I know, uh, it's a difficult line to walk of loving someone and affirming someone. And, uh, you know, we can affirm a person's struggle, 
Um, I've walked with many young men who struggle against uh, pornography, you know, an addiction to pornography. Um, and yeah, I absolutely affirm that their struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, dude, that's a powerful, that's a powerful urge that you have there. And um, that can be hard to fight against. But that doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah. Just because it's powerful and just because it feels natural or normal doesn't mean you should act on that. And so, you know, we can affirm the struggle without affirming the sin as being good or right or normative. Yeah. 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 And and I'm I knew you would say this and I so that's why I asked this question, kind of softballed it up to you, but yeah. but leading with love, right? That's the that's the big thing is we just we have to love them. Yeah. Um, you know, while holding to the truth of scripture yeah. of, like you said, we, we can affirm the struggle, but not say, not say that it's okay, not affirm it. And, you know, you do you kind of right. thing. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. And so how modern, you know, uh, liberal theologians do affirm the sin out of a desire to be loving, you know, and that's where yeah. it, it can be, you know, I think some guys like, uh, like Brendan Robertson, you know, who is a, a gay, I'll put air quotes, pastor, um, and, you know, believes that there's nothing wrong with it and wants to affirm it. Um, I think that a lot of times like that comes from a noble desire to be loving and to show radical love to others, which we should show radical love to others, but not at the expense of truth as well. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I would say at that point, it stops being loving. Right. Because all you're doing then is allowing someone to live in their sin and continue on a path to destruction. Yeah. You're just making them comfortable on their way to hell. Yeah. Dude, that's just, that's just sickening to me. You know, that makes me think about like, um, you know, when someone's near the end of life and, uh, they're, um, you know, in a lot of pain, usually they get hooked up to like a morphine drip Mm -hmm. and it's just to make them comfortable until they pass. It's like when we affirm people in their sin, when we, you know, kind of comfort them and, and couch them in their sin, we're just giving them a morphine drip, you know, until they pass, yeah. uh, until they pass on to an eternity separated from Christ. And that's not loving. No. You know. So then how can we, how can we love people who are LGBTQ without affirming their lifestyle? Yeah. Um, well, I think, first and most easiest is be friends. You can be friends with people who have a different sexual orientation. Uh, Wait, you mean you can, you can disagree with somebody and not hate them and be friends with them. I, it's a radical concept nowadays. <laughs> you think it was impossible, but yeah. Right. Like you can, you can be friends with people. You can disagree with people and still be friends. Uh, you know, I told you earlier that um, in my high school, there was only like one kid that I really knew of who was gay. Um, turns out one of my best friends in high school came out as gay when we got to college. I had no clue, never would have known. Um, and he came out as gay and I remember, you know, talking with him and, and I found out by accident, um, because someone said something and, and it clued me in that, that they were referring to him as homosexual. And I was like, wait, what? Um, and I asked him, dude, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me? And he said, well, I was afraid you would judge me because you're a Christian. And I said, dude, I love you, man. Like you're my friend just because you've, you've got this sin struggle doesn't mean that I care less about you or don't want to be your friend, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I stayed friends with him for years after. 
Um, and then, you know, our paths have just kind of, you know, diverged and, yeah. and that's just kind of natural and normal with high school friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but still care about him. I still think about him pretty often and you know, he's, he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can be friends with people. So that's one way of just showing love, be friends. Like you would be friends with somebody who struggles with a different sin. Um, I think with that, you know, you can be friends without affirming, like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't try to set your friend up with, uh, another dude yeah, just because you're trying to be friendly, you know? Um, you don't try to, uh, you know, Hey man, let's go to the pride parade together. I don't think that that's a productive way mm-hmm. of, um, showing love. That's, yeah. that's affirmation of sin. And, uh, ultimately, like we just said, is, is harmful to an individual's soul. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think just yeah. being, being friends is a really That's great. Way. I love that. Yeah. And I think too, with the, the friend thing is every single conversation you have with them doesn't have to be you trying to yeah. like <laughs> get them to, to not identify as that. Yeah. Right. Like you can be like, just be friends yeah. and through your, your words, like, yes, don't shy away from it when it comes up and have times of, of intentional conversations, but just be loving to them as a friend. Yeah. That. I mean, I remember when April came into our family, you know, fleeing that, that abusive, uh, marriage. And of course, you know, we talked about her marriage to another woman and we talked about homosexuality, but we also talked about, she was really into, uh, bodybuilding, mm-hmm. talked about bodybuilding. We talked about her job. She worked at a, at a hotel, um, and the celebrities, she worked at a very high end hotel and got to meet a lot of celebrities like Oprah and, uh, Chris that's Evans cool. and people. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, she speaks like five different languages. And so we talked with her about her languages and her upbringing. I mean, you know, it's just doing life together. And, you know, the homosexuality piece was just one part of that. Um, you know, but she's more than just her sexual, was more than just her sexual identity or orientation. Um, and I think that's important for us to remember too when we think about our friends who have, you know, homosexual tendencies or struggles that mm-hmm. they are more than their sin struggles, just as we, uh, who are in Christ are more than our sin struggles. Um, I might struggle with lust or I might struggle with lying or being a drunkard, you know, whatever that list is in first Corinthians, but I'm not identified by those things. And so yeah. neither should we identify homosexuals by that title as a homosexual. They're a mm-hmm. person first and foremost yeah. who has a sin struggle of homosexuality. Yeah, that's good. If, if we don't need to identify them as that. They're just, yeah. that's good. So I had a couple of things that's kind of, I love that point of just be friends with them and love them. Um, and I had a couple of things just for like, as you, I think have con- like are having those intentional conversations of let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've used, these are kind of just things I was thinking through as I was thinking through conversations I've had with, with students and people that, that struggle with this kind of what I guess I've kind of done in the background, maybe, mm-hmm. um, let me know what you think based on, you know, you with your, your adoptive sister and stuff. Yeah. First thing I said is just be upfront with them that there's a clear difference between worldviews yep. of like, there's like draw the line of like we believe different things about that but that you will still respect them and treat them no differently than you would anyone else yeah right that we're going to be clear that we're on different pages on this but i still love you and i'm still going 
to respect you, but we, you need to know that, that I'm not on the same page with you as this. Disagreeing doesn't mean we need to be disagreeable. You know, we can still yeah. be kind, even though we disagree about, uh, very big issues in life. Yeah. So that was kind of my first is just, you need to have that. Like, so there's no confusion of, you know, affirming them or not. It's like, there's a very clear, I love you, but we believe different things. And then this one I've just learned through having these conversations is just to seek understanding and don't assume, you know, them or their story. Mm. I think a lot of times we can, we assume that we know why they're struggling with that. Yeah. Or we assume we know why they're doing that. And so we think, well, I know why you're doing this. So here's this like kind of one sentence, one shot answer that's going to change you. Yeah. And it's just don't assume you, you know that, like seek understanding, because I also think that's part of being a loving friend is getting to know them. Yeah. Like, you know, when for us as believers, if like we do something, you know, maybe that somebody doesn't like, we wouldn't want, want them to just write us off as well, I know why you did that. It's like, yeah. well, no, like, come find out, you know, like there's a reason that, uh, you know, we do A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you just assume, I mean, you're going to make mistakes, you know, you're going yeah. to get things wrong and missing those types of things, uh, getting those types of things wrong can cause a lot of relational damage. Uh, yeah. you know, oh yeah, you're homosexual. Well, it's because you've just got daddy issues, you know, yeah. growing up like, no, my, my dad was actually a really loving dad. Like, oh, well, I don't understand them. <laughs> you know, it's like, like I'm, I'm looking at you through a preconceived idea of what yeah. it, what it means make, to make yourself a fool. Right. And, and I think as you have conversations and you begin to maybe pick up on stuff, you can say, Hey, this is what, like not making an assumption again, seeking understanding. Like this is what it's, what seems like is going on. You know, tell me if I'm wrong, but here's what I'm seeing. And then that gives them the ability to be like, no, like that's pretty spot on or no, actually that's, that's, that's not why it's like, okay, well explain it then, you know, like it gives you that ability to, to seek understanding. Yeah. And one kind of mentioned it already, but always point to the truth. Yeah. Show them that Jesus loves them, but don't compromise the truth. Yes. Right. Um, that's because good. I, I think a lot of times it's, and you mentioned the, the pastors who do this air quote pastors that, you know, for the sake of being loving, we compromise the truth. And then that's not loving at all. And people, even if they disagree with you, people want you to be truthful with them. They want you to be genuine with them. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I think that people <clears throat> in our souls, we know that there's something not right. You know, mm -hmm. maybe we don't identify it as like, oh, well, my homosexuality is, is wrong. But I know there's something wrong. There's something wrong within me. We feel that, you know, Romans eight talks about that, that, that groaning, that longing for the redemption of our bodies. Like we feel that there's something wrong within us. And so we want the truth, even though sometimes we don't want to actually hear the truth. That's like, I think about even a student in the ministry right now who not struggling with homosexuality, but just struggling, honestly, with just kind of being a punk. And, um, I love him. He's, he's a nice kid, but he does act up and you know, we're continuing to confront him on his ungodly behavior. He keeps saying, oh, I want to get baptized. You know, I follow Jesus. I want to get baptized and, uh, and yet lives like, uh, mm -hmm. like a heathen. And so we're always on him. And I'm like, man, this kid must hate us, but he keeps coming back. You know, it's because yeah. he knows 
that we're going to say the hard things to him, not because we want to beat him up, but because we want to care about him because we actually love him enough to say the hard things. And so, you know, I think about that even for my sister, April, in our uh, personal experiences, uh, we held the line on truth. And my parents gave her one condition for coming to live at the house with them when she was uh, separating from, from her then wife, um, was you've got to go to church with us. Like, that's just, that's a rule in our house. We go to church and I know you're a grown woman, but if you're going to live here, you're going to church. Yeah. And she was eager for it. She said, yeah, that sounds great. I, you know, she knew there was something wrong. She needed some answers in life and, uh, wanted to hear the, the hard truths. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, always point the truth and two, just a general rule or kind of, maybe not rule, but mindset to have is be okay with difficult conversations. Yeah. Cause a lot of times the most loving thing we can do is have a difficult conversation with somebody yeah. and don't pull punches. Mm-hmm. as much as you can right like right. like there's you can speak truth and be kind of like hey we're gonna we're getting serious like we're this is gonna sound harsh but this is the truth you can you can do that without pulling your punch but there's also a bad way to do that right yeah that that, that idea of love doing this in love mm-hmm. um so don't shy away from the truth and the last thing we've mentioned it make jesus the goal not making them straight or detransition jesus will bring that change yeah, as, as a person um, follows Jesus, their lives will, will slowly but surely fall into greater conformity to the will of God. And <clears throat> living a homosexual lifestyle or a transgender lifestyle um, is obviously outside of what God's will is. And so if someone is pursuing after God, those things will slowly begin to melt away. Maybe God will give that person new desires. Maybe they'll always struggle against that. Um, but as a person seeks to live in Christ, uh, they will slowly but surely become changed to look more and more like Christ. You know, that's what a Christian is, a, a little Christ, you know, yeah. someone who follows after Christ. Um, I, I think about even my own life, that I think about who I was 10 years ago. I've been in ministry 10 years, um, who I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even five years ago. And it's like, man, by God's grace, I am not who I was even then. Um, my life has slowly but surely fallen into greater conformity to God's will. Um, and it takes time. You know, we can't expect somebody to just like make a snap decision of like, yeah. okay, I follow Jesus. So that means I'm no longer going to, you know, be homosexual. I'm no longer going to be a drunkard. I'm no longer. A lot of times those things take years to, to melt away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important to know, too, like when you're you're, you know, if you have a friend you're trying to, you know, you're sharing the gospel with and that that really struggles with any sin. But since we're talking about specifically homosexuality, uh, transgender, that if they come to faith in Christ and they don't have an immediate, just drastic change, that doesn't mean that you failed or that their decision was not genuine. Yeah. Of like we all go through sanctification and that the, the timeline of that is different for each person. Yes. Um, so. And I wanted to, as we kind of wrap up, just this, recommend this resource for, say this is more for the believer who kind of wants a better understanding of this and how to go about having these conversations. It's a book called Transforming Homosexuality um, by a guy named Denny Burke. He's a professor at uh, Boyce College. Um, and it's basically what kind of what we've talked about. The main point is, is like making Jesus the goal, not making somebody straight. 
Um, and he, in the book, he walks through, you know, um, what the Bible has to say, gives some clear def, uh, definitions to terms, um, and then gives you practical, how, here's how to have, you know, have conversations with people. Yeah. Um, so for you students, and it's a, it's an easy read. So for you students, you know, this would be an awesome resource if you, um, just want to be equipped to have those conversations or you, you already are like, man, I have a friend who's struggling with this and I have no idea how to, how to have a conversation with, with them about this. This book is a great resource. Obviously me and pastor Joe are great resources as well. Like you're not, you don't have to do, have these conversations and do all this by yourself. Right. Yeah. Talk to, you know, for, for those who are listening, if you're part of Finn Castle, man, we'd love to have conversations with you and help you, you know, think rightly about these things. But also if you're not part of FinCastle, if you are listening somewhere else around the world as you know, we know we've got people who listen from Malta and the UK and Pakistan, India, India, I mean, all Spain. over the place. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Spain it blows my mind. Find, find a, you know, find a, a pastor, you know, the pastor in your church and seek their counsel. You know, I want to direct you to your local church. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that book you mentioned, that's a great book. Uh, I'd also recommend Mark Yarhouse, uh, Understanding Sexual Identity. It's a resource for youth ministry, you know, really kind of geared more towards youth pastors. Um, but I think is still a great resource for anybody who's seeking to understand these things well um, and show love and care for those who struggle against this type of sin. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, we'll have the the names and authors of those books in the, the show notes for you so you can just copy and paste and look them up um, if you'd like. Um, but I pray that this episode was was beneficial for you, maybe helping to equip you to just know what the Bible says um, about this issue, but also equip you to to have conversations and, and have confidence that you can um, you can love people who struggle with these sins and not affirm their lifestyle and point them to Jesus. Right. So, Pastor Joe, again, appreciate you being on here and look forward to many more episodes with you as the new official co-host. Yes, sir. Of Student Equip Podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, man. I love this. Yep, absolutely, man. Well, we'll see you guys next week on the Student Equip Podcast. Adios.